welcome to this spooktacular Halloween episode of the Strangely Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, joined by me, Lenora. It's our 23rd episode, and from what I understand, the number 23 is kind of a spooky number, so... Is it? Like, I yeah. think it was just, like, a normal number. No, don't you remember that whole Jim Carrey movie, 23? No. It's, like, a whole... I don't remember what the basis of why 23 is spooky. Let me look it up from a quick Google search. 23, uh, many people view the number as an evil one because it was associated with Satan, of course. The letter W, which is regarded as Satan's symbol, which I've never heard... I thought it was, like, not that it was, like, Satan's symbol, but because the letter W is in the word witch, and witches are witches. I don't know, but because that's... I always thought it was because witches. Because <laughs> W is the 23rd letter in the Latin alphabet, the Bible also lists the number 23 as a symbol of death. I've never heard those things, so I don't, I don't know. But 23 is supposed to be spooky, and this is episode 23. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to do another creepypasta episode. Maybe this time you'll actually scare me instead of making me sad. The first one is a, it's a more of a warm-up. It's probably going to make you laugh more than it'll make you make you scared. The, the remaining ones are kind of creepy. Um, full disclosure, I just did, for two of them, I actually did like top all time on r slash no sleep on Reddit. And I just found out the first two that I'm going to be reading today are both by Reddit user Blair Daniels, who has a whole subreddit and is like a fairly like Reddit famous creepypasta writer. So, um, not trying to steal your stuff, but you write good stories. Um, we're just continuing to share them. Yeah, absolutely. Go check out Blair Daniels on Reddit and they do a lot of really cool stuff. And I believe they have a book published um, now I, I looked in on r slash Blair Daniels after discovering they were both by them um, and I think they have a book which is cool um, so go check out Blair Daniels don't check out that guy with his shitty exhaust system alright so let's get right into it I first noticed it in the kitchen my sister was putting the final touches on a batch of Christmas cookies Turning to get more icing, she bumped the plate with the hip with her hip and it flew onto the ground. Oh gosh darn it. Um what? God damn it, I chuckled. Who are you and what have you done with my sister? Brittany stared at me blankly. Look, I know my sister. She swears like a fifty year old sailor drunk on cheap beer. Running an hour's work of cookie making ruining an hour's worth of cookie making should have at least an elicited a fuck. But it didn't. I see. This is an act for Jonathan. I winked at her. Don't worry, I won't tell. What are you talking about? She asked. <clears throat> I bent down, picking up the shattered pieces of cookie. You know your constant swearing. Your secret's safe with me. I reached for another piece of cookie, picked it up, threw it towards the garbage. Instead of falling in, it ricocheted off the edge. Ah, fuck. I froze. At the exact moment I had said fuck, a car horn had blared outside, drowning it out completely. I frowned. Fuck, another car horn. Fuck, fuck, fuckity fuck. Strangely loud flock of geese caught outside the window. What the dog bark is going on here? I started, I stared at Brittany, eyes wide. She ignored my question. 
We have to bake more cookies, she continued, as if I hadn't said anything. If the Christmas celebration tonight doesn't impress Christopher, he's going to shut down the community center forever. The community center? When have you given a train whistle about the community center? Since I started Woofies. What? You know, my business, baking dogs for Christmas cookies. I frowned. The cookies are for dogs? She nodded. Okay, look, what's gotten into you? I stood up brushing the crumbs off my hands. You don't even like dogs. You say they make too much noise and poop everywhere. You don't even like animals, period, or kids. That reminds me, Christopher's nephew's going to be at the celebration. He's an orphan, and he loves dogs, too. I think I'm going to surprise him with a puppy for the shelter, from the shelter. I started, what? It's going to be so awesome. Don't you love Christmas? I threw up my hands. You're acting really weird right now. I'm going to go, uh, go rest for a while, okay? She nodded, eyes wide, and perky smile on her face. That's when I noticed something else. She wasn't wearing her usual outfit of a black tank top and skin-tight jeans. Instead, she was wearing a bright red sweater and a neat skirt. Her hair, which was usually tied up in a messy bun, fell in perfect, loose waves around her face. You're dressed weird, I muttered. She just smiled back at me. I trudged out of the kitchen, through the family room. I was about to climb the stairs when I stopped. Something's different. Well, for one, my mom's house was clean which was super weird because she's a borderline hoarder who keeps everything from 20-year-old Christmas cards to free pens. The clutter was gone. A fire was going in the fireplace, and a fluff, fluffy red throw sat across the sofa. That's a hard sentence to say, fluffy red throw. Maybe it's not that hard to say. Sorry. <laughs> sat across the sofa. Weird. But there was something else. My gaze caught on the mantle above the fireplace. Even from a distance, I could tell the photos were different. I'd seen the photos there a million times, their dorky photo of me in braces I hated, the photo of four of us and our cat, they were burned into my brain. Not one of these familiar photos remained. I stepped closer studying the photo, a girl with braces playing outside, a mother and father sitting on a sofa, two toddlers between them, two girls holding hands while sitting on a swing. My heart dropped, every muscle in my body paralyzed. They weren't us. They look like stock photos, stock photos of a family that roughly, very roughly, resembled ours. I ran up the stairs, my head spinning, my throat dry. What's going on here? Nothing made sense. Not the way Brittany was acting, not the way she dressed, not my mom's house, not our photos. It all clashed on my brain. It was so wrong. I collapsed into the bed, the bed of my childhood room, the only thing that felt familiar in this house. My stuff had been boxed up long ago, but the walls were still the shade of lavender I'd picked out in middle school. The bedspread was still deep purple, the mattress was still soft as a feather. I lay in silence. Funny how now there was no random car horns or flocks of Canadian geese. I was almost drifting off to sleep when I heard it. Footsteps in the hallway. Brittany, I called? But, this, but they sounded louder, heavier, like a man's footsteps. I shot up in my bed, my heart pounding. Our father had passed away several years ago. Christmas dinner wasn't for a few days, too early for our uncles to be here. I backed away, heart drumming in my chest. Hello, I called out. The footsteps paused. Who's there? I shouted. The footsteps roomed, closer now, so close that they were right outside my door. Brittany, I shouted, hoping she'd hear me. Brittany, there's some... The door opened. My voice died in my throat. A man stood there, a naked man with only a small towel wrapped around his waist. He stared at me with dark, hungry eyes. Then he smiled. Hey, honey, are you okay? I screamed. 
Honey, what's wrong? The man was rushing towards me. I ducked underneath his outstretched arms and ran to the door, down the stairs, out the front door. I heard Brittany shouting behind me, but I didn't listen. I kept running and running, and in a few blocks I reached town, but it wasn't our town. It was a cutesy little town that time forgot, the shops lining the sidewalk and tinsel strung up between the street lamps. Gone were the liquor stores, rowdy teenagers, and endless supply of litter. And yes, there was even a community center, but not our community center of stained concrete and smashed beer bottles in the parking lot. No, it was now a darling brick building, a Christmas candle burning in each window. No, no, this can't be what the fuck is happening. I, refer I hurried forward. As I walked, snowflakes began to fall from the gray sky. A few landed on my bare arms. They didn't melt. Hey, I called out to the nearest person, a woman waiting to cross the street with perfect wavy hair and a bright red peacoat. Hey, can you help me? She turned towards me. A smile plastered on her face. Of course, what do you need? I don't think I belong here. This, is, this isn't my town. It's. I faltered. Her grin had faded. She now stared at me, face set in stone, eyes burning with hatred. Then she took a step toward me. I ran. And that brings us here. I've been hiding out behind a perfectly decorated Christmas tree in someone's yard. Don't worry, the house isn't actually occupied. Despite all the cute lights and candy canes, I looked in the windows. The house is completely empty on the inside, so I'm safe for now. But I don't think it'll be long. There's a ring on my left ring finger, probably belonging to the man back at my parents' house. He'll probably call the police around here and tell them I'm missing. That I seem mentally unstable. That I should be apprehended immediately. At least the internet seems to work, but calling Brittany's number and my mom's has only resulted in static. All I can do now is ask for help. If you turn on your TV and see a Christmas movie featuring a short girl with a mole on her right cheek and an ACDC t-shirt, that's me. Help me, please. Help me leave this place before it's too late. Yeah, I kind of like caught on to the fact it's like, <laughs> she's in a Hallmark movie. There you go. <laughs> I didn't read the title because it gives it away. She's in a Hallmark movie, and that's terrifying as hell. <laughs> It depends on which one you're in. The real scary thing is if she had felt, like, a deep urge to become a journalist. <laughs> I'm a journalist from New York City, and I live next to Manhattan, and I drive a Honda Civic, and uh, I my family lives in the sticks. Wait, not a Honda Civic, Honda, like, a Honda Accord. And she's forced to go back to her hometown for various reasons and super salty about it but then she meets the rough and tumble cowboy that she knew back in high school who has a heart of gold and a stone of or jaw of stone and he he has a soft spot for children and she's just oh, she's taken aback by just how incredible he is and how at first sight she thought he was an asshole but then yeah mm -hmm. yeah You've watched enough of those, and I've watched, watched so enough many. by proxy that I know exactly how they all go. All right, so that was a warm-up round. That one wasn't, you know, that wasn't super scary. I'm surprised you picked a christmas theme one before Halloween. Well, what's scarier than Christmas before Halloween? Hmm. You, can't, you can't name anything. Jump scares. She didn't jump. All right. This one is also by Blair Daniels. Uh, it's called, There's a Woman I Don't Recognize in My Wedding Photos. I first saw her in the photo of me walking up the aisle. 
The shots from behind. The white train of my dress skims the ground. My blonde hair is rolled up in a, a silver beret borrowed from his mom. My something borrowed. Every person in this pew is turned watching me. Except one. A woman in the last row stands stick straight, facing away from the camera. All I can see is the back of her head. Straight, long, black hair flowing down her shoulders and ending at her waist. Jeff, who's that? Jeff leaned over my shoulder. Oh, I don't know. Maybe your cousin Jamie? Couldn't be. Could be, but her hair isn't that long. I click forward several photos. No, can't be. See? Jamie was wearing a red dress. She's wearing black. I shook my head. Must be someone from your side. She's sitting on your side, though. I guess you're right. I click the zoom button. Her form filled the screen. Stick straight black hair, ivory skin, almost impossibly skinny arms. She stood a good distance away from the five uh, other people in the pew. My cousin Amanda, her husband, and her three rambunctious children, one of whom was picking their nose. <laughs> Sounds like a child thing. Well, you looked at me with wide eyes. What? No reason. What? Child picking their nose in wedding photos? You don't like that? Keep going. Okay. Could she be the date of one of my guy friends? Like Jack, maybe? He was always dating a new girl. I quickly brought up his Facebook. Nope. His current girlfriend had curly red hair, curly hair and a beautiful brown complexion. Not her. I don't recognize her. She's got to be a wedding ca crasher. Jeff and I had gotten married three weeks ago. We'd just gotten our wedding photos back. I'd braced myself for, for surprises, ones that made me look like it had a double chin, shots of my 60-year-old parents shaking it out on the dance floor, but I didn't expect this. I can't believe it. This was our special day, and this rando thinks she can just come crash it? I'm sorry, Jess. She could have had the decency to, like, look at me as I walked down the aisle, at least, I grumbled. I clicked away from the photo, trying to forget about her and just enjoy the photos. A few more photos of the ceremony. She wasn't in them. I li lingered on the photos of us and bridal party, my heart glowing. Then I got to the reception photos. This stuck out like a sore thumb, or she stuck out like a sore thumb, standing there behind the table of my high school friends, facing away from the camera, standing oddly still. That's her! I jabbed the computer screen so hard the image rippled. Well, obviously she'd be at the reception, free food. I'm surprised she went to the ceremony at all. I clicked to the next photo. She wasn't in it. I breathed a sigh of relief. No, wait. I zoomed in. My friend Libby, sitting on the ta at the table, had a glass of wine pressed to her lips. I flicked to the back of the previous photo. Libby was lifting the glass towards her lips. These two photos were taken within a few seconds of each other, and she's just gone? Jeff shrugged. She probably just got her food and skedaddled. I clicked through the next several photos. She wasn't in them. Feeling a bit better, I clicked through the rest and landed on a portrait of the two of us, standing in the middle of the reception hall. Look at us. You look beautiful. Now think. My breath got in my throat. At the edge of the photo, there was a hand touching my shoulder. Just the tips of the fingers. The rest out of view. Pale, thin fingers. Not thick, ruddy ones like Jeff's. I stared at the computer. My heart pounded in my chest. Jess, are you okay? His voice sounded so far away. Her fingers, I said softly. Her fingers are on my shoulder. What? Jeff took the laptop, squinting at the screen. That's just my hand, Jess. Your hand looks nothing like that. How can you even tell? It's just the tips of the fingers. Tips of a woman's fingers. They're obviously my fingers. No, they're not. I grabbed the laptop from him and forced myself to look at the photo. Look, your arm is going down like it's wrapped around my waist. Your waist isn't even in the frame. Yeah, but you can tell from the angle. 
If your hand was resting on my shoulder like that, it would be up more. Jess, it's my hand, obviously. He sighed and wrapped his arms around me. Speaking in a softer tone, he said, Look, someone crashed our wedding. That sucks a lot, but I think you're overreacting a bit. I shot him a glare. I pulled out my phone and dialed Amanda's number. It took three rings for her to pick up. Amanda, who's sitting next to you at my wedding? Oh, hi, Jess, she said in her slow, southern drawl. Oh, well, you sat us with Uncle Bob and Aunt Margie. No, at the ceremony. Well, how's sitting alone, dear? I purposely chose to, didn't want my kids hassling anyone. No, there was a woman in the same pew as you, tall, black hair. No, dear, just me and Will and the kids. I mean, at least I don't remember seeing anyone else. I talked to Amanda for another ten minutes, then said I had to go. I collapsed onto the couch next to Jeff, leaned my head against his shoulder. Jeff reached over and rubbed my shoulders. My eyes flickered closed, and my breath slowed. Don't worry about it, babe. Don't worry about some woman creeping on you at your wedding. It's all okay. I didn't know what was going on, but I didn't like Jeff's tone, the way he was speaking to me like something fragile, easy broken. I'm going to go take a shower, I said, getting up from the sofa abruptly. I slammed the bathroom door behind me and started to run the water. I peeled off my clothes and stared at myself in the mirror. Steam clouded out from the shower and I stepped in. The hot water hit my back, burning down my body, and the stress began to fade away. I reached for the shampoo, scrubbed it in, rinsed it out, stood under the stream of water and let it run over my face for seconds, minutes. Then I turned off the water and began to step out. I glanced down and froze. Collecting around the bathtub drain was a tangled clump of black hair. Before I could react, thin, cold fingers grabbed my shoulder, and they pushed. I slipped on the wet ceramic, my body falling with a painful crack. Pain shot through my body like fire. As I pulled myself up, grimacing in pain, eight words repeated in my head. Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. The silver beret I borrowed from Jeff's mom. The one she insisted I borrow, saying it was a family heirloom. She said Jeff's sister refused to wear and would mean the world to her if I carried out the tradition. The one that had a few straight black hairs stuck in it. Mm. Haunted beret. Yeah. What do you think, Alan? That was pretty good. But I'm trying to figure out how a silver beret would work in a bridal ensemble. Like, wouldn't be a choice I would make. Also, the way that, like, the shadows are, like, coming off of your glasses, it makes it look like you have some really intense, like, pointy eyebrows. Good. Um, <laughs> are you thinking a beret is in a hat? Yeah. No, beret, or maybe it's barrette. Oh, is... okay, you're thinking of a barrette. Okay. Yeah. Like a clip. I guess? I don't know. I thought they were always called beret. A beret is a hat. I don't know. Silver beret. I, I thought beret and beret were the same thing, just beret was pronounced wrong. You go ahead and Google that, <laughs> and I'll intro the next story. So this one legit scared me back in the day um, when I first heard it. This is from 2009. Um, so this... Yeah, so a... Go ahead. Barrette has two R's and two T's in it. A beret is B-E-R-E-T. 
So which it, is the hat. Okay, it's a barrette. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. That definitely changes the whole imagery. Yeah, it does. It's like this... This is like what I was imagining her fucking wearing. <laughs> Imagine her walking down the hall and go, ho, ho, ho. Yeah. I have hogs in my shoes. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, she was wearing a silver barrette for those listening at home. I didn't know the difference. I thought it was the same word. Like, I, I knew a beret hat and I knew the hair thing. I just thought it was pronounced the same. My bad. Okay. You ready for this one, babe? Yeah. This is called The Rake. A suicide note. 1964. As I prepare to take my life, I feel it necessary to assuage any guilt or pain I have introduced through this act. It is not the fault of anyone other than him. For once I awoke and felt his presence, and once I awoke and saw his form... Once again I awoke and heard his voice, and looked into his eyes. I cannot sleep without fear of what I might next awake to experience. I cannot ever awake. Goodbye. Found in the, the same wooden box were two empty envelopes addressed to William and Rose, one loose personal letter with no envelope. Dearest Lenny, I have prayed for you. He spoke your name. A journal entry, translated from Spanish. 1880. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I have experienced the greatest terror. I see his eyes when I close mine. They are hollow, black. They saw me and pierced me. His wet hand. I will not sleep. His voice. Unintelligible text. And this is the final part of the rake story. This is the one that freaked me the fuck out. From a witness. 2006. Three years ago, I just returned from a trip from Niagara Falls with my family for the 4th of July. We were all very exhausted after a long day of driving, so my husband and I put the kids right to bed and called it a night. At about 4 a.m., I woke up thinking my husband had gotten up to use the restroom. I used the moment to steal back the sheets, only to wake him in the process. I apologized and told him I, I thought he got out of bed. When he turned to face me, he gasped and pulled his feet up from the end of the bed. So quickly, his knee almost knocked me out of the bed. He then grabbed me and said nothing. After adjusting to the dark for half a second, I was able to see what caused the strange reaction. At the foot of the bed, sitting facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man or a large hairless dog of some sort. Its body position was disturbing and unnatural, as if it had been hit by a car or something. For some reason... I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat under the assumption that we were supposed to help him. My husband was peering over his arm and knee, tucked into the fetal position, occasionally glancing at me before returning to the creature. In a flurry of motion, the creature scrambled around the side of the bed and then crawled quickly in a flailing sort of motion right along the bed until it was less than a foot from my husband's face. The creature was completely silent for about 30 seconds. Probably closer to five, it just seemed like a while. It was just looking at my husband. The creature then placed its hand on his knee and ran into the hallway leading to the kids' rooms. I screamed and ran after for the light switch, uh, planning to stop him before he hurt my children. When I got to the hallway, the light from the bedroom was enough to see it crouching and hunched over about 20 feet away. 
He turned around and looked directly at me, covered in blood. I flipped the switch on the wall and saw my daughter, Clara. The creature ran down the stairs while my husband and I rushed to help our daughter. She was very badly injured and spoke only once more in the short life. She said, he is the rake. My husband drove his car into a lake that night while rushing our daughter to the hospital. He did not survive. Being a small town, news got around pretty quickly. The police were helpful at first, and the local newspaper took a lot of interest as well. However, the story was never published, and the local television news never followed up either. For several months, my son Justin and I stayed in a hotel near my parents' house. After we decided to return home, I began looking for answers myself. I eventually located a man in the next town over who had a similar story. We got in contact and began talking about our experiences. He knew of two other people in New York who had seen the creature we now referred to as the rake. It took the four of us about two solid years of hunting on the internet and writing letters to come up with a small collection of what we believed to be accounts of the rake. None of them came into detail, history, or follow-up. One journal had an entry involving the creature in its first three pages, and never mentioned it again. A ship's log explained nothing of the encounter, saying that the only they were told to leave the rake. That was the last entry in the log. There were, however, many instances where the creature's visit was one of a series of visits within the same person, or with the same person. Multiple people also mentioned being spoken to, my daughter included. This led us to wonder if the rake had visited any of us before our last encounter. I set up a digital recorder near my bed and left it running all night, every night, for two weeks. I would tediously scan through the sounds of me rolling around in my bed each day when I woke up. By the end of the second week, I was quite used to the occasional sound of sleep while blurring through the recording at eight times normal speed. On the very first day of the third week, I thought I heard something different. What I found was a shrill voice. It was the rake. I can't listen to it long enough to even begin to just transcribe it. I haven't let anyone listen to it yet. All I know is that I've heard it before, and I know I now believe that it spoke when it was sitting in front of my husband. I don't remember hearing anything at the time, but for some reason the voice on the recorder immediately begins immediately brings me back to that moment. The thoughts that must have gone through my daughter's head make me very upset. I've not seen the rake since he ruined my life, but I know that he has been in my room while I slept. I know and fear that one night I will wake up and see him staring at me. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that. I've heard that story several times, and even reading it now, like, it, I got a chill down my spine. I do not like that story. Yeah, I don't, ooh, I don't like that. Thoughts? Give me. I'm a creeped. You spooked? I'm a little creeped out. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't also, I just really don't like the concept of, like, things watching me while I sleep. I know that's what freaks me out the most. Is it's just, like, the idea of, like, you could just wake up and there she is. Or he. It. I don't know why I said she. I just, like, there are, there she blows was kind of <laughs> where I was going with that. Um, so this one, this one's still kind of creeped me out. Um, it's the longest, I believe, of them. Uh, and that's why I saved it for the last. It kind of creeped me out, but it's also a little less serious. Mm -hmm. Um, this one was originally 
So this one was originally posted on 4chan's X board on um, in 2012. Uh, the X board was their paranormal and like mm-hmm. ghost story kind of board. Um, this one is called the Goat Man. Uh. <laughs> that was a terrible goat bleat. Uh. There you go. Uh. That was my goat noise. I'm not gonna. Uh. <laughs> okay. That's enough of that <laughs> goat girl so here's my story and it, the first part of it is written like green text post do you know what a green text post is no it always starts out like be this like this one's like b16 be black and have family down in alabama like it's written like that and it's like bullet points mm-hmm. but when you did bullet points on the 4chan boards it would do it in green text so they called them green text posts so Here's my story. B-16, be black and have family down in Alabama. They farm and own a huge amount of land down in Huntsville. Uncle owns a big house and a bunch of trails they put up out in the woods for hunting or camping. Down south, cousins suggest that we go out there to camp. No, I'm a city kid from Chicago, so they tease the fuck out of me. Collect food, kill a pig and some chickens. Bring necessities to camp out for a few days. Get to camp, it's obvious something is weird. Air has this weird electric smell like right before a storm, like ozone. We think nothing of it, unpack, go down to a little creek to swim for a few hours. All of a sudden, some older white guy and a white teenager come out of the bushes. He has a shotgun in the crook of his arm, says hello, asks us what we're doing in the back in the woods. Tell him about my uncle, who he knows, and they say we're camping out. Tells us we need to be real careful out here and stick together or there was a big animal in the woods. His son, who is my age, asks if he can stay and hang out with us. He says, okay. It now goes out of the green text. That's kind of the setup for the story. I'm going to stop green texting because the story is fairly long and the format's harder to write in. We end up playing football, dicking around with, dicking around with me. There's a white kid, Tanner, f- five of my cousins, and ten, and then four of their friends. God, I'm really bad at reading today. I'm sorry. Four of the friends. In total, there were five girls and six boys. We're all around 15 to 17. We ended up just dicking the, the day away, so we head back to camp, pulling out some stuff to a campfire, even though the trailers both had kit, kitchenettes. Tanner says that his family's property sits up against my uncle's. He wants to run home and ask his dad if he can come out camping with us. My cousin Rooster says he's going to go with him since it's going to get dark soon. One of the girls also wants to tag along. It's about 7 o'clock, and it's starting to get pretty dark. They take flashlights, take the trail toward Tan's property. The rest of us chill. We make s'mores, drink, kiss on the girls. About 30 or 40 minutes later, there's a smell of ozone again. You could smell it over the smell of the fire we had started. This really nasty, coppery smell, like after you've had a nosebleed and it stopped. It wasn't actually like dried blood, but it was like nasty, metallic, back-of-your-throat smell. We immediately think it's some kind of an electrical malfunction or someone left a hot plate on or some shit. We search the trailers and nothing's on. We can still smell it. All of a sudden, we can hear people booking it down the path towards us, and Rooster, Tan, and the girl all come running into the clearing out of the breath, and they don't even break stride. They all run into the trailer right by where the fire is. We all get the fuck out of there and into the trailers. They end up calming down. Even Rooster's crying, his fucking eyes out at his point. All the while... The fire's guttering lower and lower, so my cousin says, fuck it, and we're about to go outside to get the generator out of a shed between the trailers. Tanner goes, fuck no, 
Lock the front door, ain't nobody else going outside. He's been crying too. His eyes are bloodshot and puffy. His pants are all dirty and shit. He goes on to tell us that they went up to his house. His father said sure he could go out camping, but make sure they were careful on the way back, and that maybe they should take one of the hunting rifles, just in case. Evidently, Tanner had seen something in the yard a few days before. One of their pigs had come up ripped up and half-eaten. They assumed it was just some big cats or coyotes, even though they don't usually fuck with live animals. He'd gone upstairs, packed his stuff, told his dad they would be okay without the rifle because coyotes avoid people. They started walking back toward where the they were camping. Rooster finally stopped crying, shaking. The girl already had, but she was just staring out the window with a dumb look on her face. He says they'd gotten halfway into the woods toward the camp when they started to hear shit in the forest. It was almost pitch black by this time, so they weren't sure at first what the fuck it was. The girl says that she heard something in the bushes right off the trail, and they all beamed their flashlights over there, and there was someone standing back in the woods in a little hollow. Rooster said they shouted at him and told him that he was scaring the fuck out of them and what a dick he was. He says that's when he realized that the guy was facing away from them. They keep walking. They start smelling the nasty coppery ozone smell. Ugh, I'm getting spooked. Um, <clears throat> keep walking. Ozone smell. They say that they look off into the forest on the opposite side, and it's a dude standing in the forest backwards slightly closer to the path. So now they start power walking, Tan keeps going, I should have taken the fucking rifle. As they're telling the story, the smell is still super strong, even inside the cabin. Say that after they started walking faster, a kind of low gibbering had started coming from both sides of the wood, and as they started booking it back to the trailer, the girl said she had flashed her flashlight out in the woods to the side of them and had seen something jerking itself of the woods. The gibbering just got louder and louder, and when they could see the light from the our campfire something had come out of the woods about 40 yards behind them onto the track and they had just flat out ran as hard as they could to the trailer so we're out in the fucking woods we're assuming at this point it's some redneck or some shit trying to fuck with us all of a sudden my other cousin junior starts going on about how he went to school with a native kid that was telling him about the goat man or some shit they're probably telling him to shut the fuck up because we don't need any spooky talk right now he just keeps going on and on about how it's a fucking goat man, and now we're in the woods and blah blah blah. Now at the time, I'd never heard of this goat man or any of that, but then a couple years ago, the year before I graduated from college, I had a minimum for a roommate. What's a minimum? I don't know. I had a menom for a roommate, and I ended up asking him about it. And to sum it up, it's basically a fucking man with the head of a goat, and he can shapeshift, and he gets among groups of people to terrorize them. It's also supposed to be kind of like the Wendigo, and it's bad mojo to even talk about it, even worse if you see it. I keep, they're slamming doors and stuff downstairs, so it keeps mm-hmm. wigging me out. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before Hippie Lady just, like, loses her shit entirely. Yep. Keep in mind, I don't know this back then. I was 16, so my cousin's going... Goatman is going to get in and fucking get us. The girls are all terrified. My cousins and I are all fucking trying to figure out if it's just some hillbillies, if it's some animal. All of a sudden, the smell just goes away. Like, to this day, I haven't experienced anything like it. Like, usually smells fade away or lessen. Just literally was there one second and then not the next. So, it's after an hour, making it around 9 or 10. We've stopped sitting, shitting bricks enough to go back outside and stoke the fire again. We figure it was just some assholes trying to fuck with us. 
We don't go back home because we think if we do, they'll chase us through the woods or, or some shit. Nothing else happens that night. We stay another night, and for the main part of that, nothing happens again. At about one in the morning, we're outside getting drunk and telling ghost stories. As someone finishes the too spooky story, I don't remember what about, the smoke comes back. It's so fucking strong that one of the girls literally starts vomiting. I stand up and you can actually feel how clammy the air is. I say we should get inside, and this isn't right. We should have just fucking left. We all go back inside. We're standing around. My cousin just keeps going on about it's the goat man. My cousin Rooster tries to shut him the fuck up, and all the while I'm just feeling that something is wrong, and I can't figure out what the fuck it is. We end up sitting in there for a while. The smell's just as strong. We're terrified and huddled in this camper. We end up cooking brats for everyone because nobody wants to go outside. It's one of those packs with four brats. We have a total of three packs. I grill them up on the stove and give everybody a hot dog. I get mine. After a while, one of my cousins gets up, goes over to the pot to get another one. He starts grumbling about how I got two brats and everyone else got one. And I look at him while he's fucking stupid. I tell him that everybody only got one because there were only 12 brats. If he wants more, he should open up a new pack and cook some more. That's when the girl that had been out with Rooster and Tan just screams, Oh, Jesus, oh, Lord, get it out. She's crying and shivering. Then it dawns on us. My cousin's standing up. What the fuck is wrong? Me and him both glance around the room, and then I feel my heart sink. I run the fuck out of the cabin, and the girl runs out with us. Trailer door's banging against the side of the trailer as everyone books it out of the cabin. One of my cousin's friends asks us what the fuck was wrong. I start counting. There's only 11 now. I shit you not, my cousin verified there had been 12 people in the cabin but being that everybody didn't really know each other well nobody had noticed the whole fucking time that there was an extra person then i realized earlier that i had kind of noticed something was off you know how when you're just dicking around having a good time that you don't sweat the smallest shit and you don't always keep track of certain stuff i'm dead sure someone else had been in the trailer with us and that they had been there for at least a fucking day eating with us what makes it worse is i could figure out which one I couldn't figure out which one because I don't know. I don't think anyone ever actually interacted with the other person, the goat man. The girl kept saying to praying to Jesus. We're all sitting outside. Eventually, we get big ass sticks, go back to the cabin. There's nobody in there. We count again. There's 11 people. We go back into the trailer and lock the door. We explain what the fuck happened. The girl says that she realized too. And then when he was about to say something, the person sitting next to her had grabbed her leg and leaned over toward her and said something she couldn't understand. So we're pretty much scared as fuck. We huddle together and fall asleep. When I wake up, the sun's just coming up. Half the people are asleep and the other half are packing our shit up. We all want to walk back home, but like four people want to stay until the sun is all the way up. Some people think that we're just fucking around and still want to stay with the trailers. I just want to get the fuck out of the woods. The girl's name was Kira. The one with the goat man hand touched. Anyway, I asked her if she really thinks it was something bad. She says she just wants to go home. She doesn't want to be out in the woods alone for another night. We decide to split up. The four that want to go on can go, but I have to stay because I have the keys to the cabin and it's my uncle's and I have to lock up. I'm super pissed at this point because I feel like people aren't taking this shit seriously. I definitely didn't want to be out in the woods for another night. Spent the rest of the day trying to convince the rest of the people, now four girls, four guys, to get the fuck out of the Dodge. Tanner leaves with them to go get a rifle, says he's going to be back. So there are just seven of us left by four. I run five. He hasn't made it back yet. 
were getting extremely fucking antsy. The only reason I stopped begging them to go back was because he went to get a gun. It's about 5.30 or so when one cousin that did stay said that the girl Kira is outside. We all look outside. Sure enough, she's standing by the fire pit with her back to the cabin. I'm thinking to myself, if she was so fucking scared, why the hell would she come back? And then I get this nasty feeling in my gut. Keep in mind the whole time, coppery smell has been gone. Now I realize I can just smell a twinge of it. I say this to the rest of them and everybody, and there are people that wanted to stay in the fucking woods after we had goddamn Goatman in our midst, is laughing at me and asking if I set this up to scare them. I'm looking at them like, I'm not fucking bullshitting you. You at all right now. <clears throat> I ask them why the fuck I'd play like that. So one of the girls goes outside to get Kira. She gets halfway to her and stops cold. Kira starts heaving. I don't know how the fuck to describe it. Sort of like someone with their back turned was laughing without actually making any sound. It was just that fact that made me realize that was not a fucking sound. The whole woods, it was dead silent. This was like later in September, so it was still fairly hot at the time, but it was super chilly some days too. And you could usually hear a big-ass geese honking and or some kind of birds or squirrels chit-chatting. So I step out of the door and tell her to come back in the fucking trailer right goddamn now. She backs up into the trailer. We lock the fucking door. We pull down all the shades except one and put a guy there in a chair to watch her. She stands there for another 20 minutes or so. The guy turns to say she's still there and there's a huge bang on the door. We all jump up and scramble around the living room of the trailer. The banging's super fucking loud. So now my cousin's holding one of the girls, and the other two are kind of giggling in nervous laughter, and me and the other two guys are shitting bricks. Then we hear Tanner. He's screaming, let me fuck in. Stop fucking playing. So we go over to the door, open it, and he stumbles in with a rifle. There's nobody else outside. Evidently, he had walked up to the campsite. Nothing weird happened in the forest, but he had seen a girl. Mind you, he said it was not Kira standing there. When he had gotten to the edge of the clearing, she had turned around turned toward him with this slack-jawed look and just stared him down, slowly tracking him as he walked around the outside of the clearing towards the camp. He said it wasn't until he was almost halfway to the trailer he had realized that she was getting closer to him. She had started off by the fire, and without him even seeing her move, she had been turning, inching closer. He said he just ran the rest of the way back to the cabin, thinking it would open, and when he got to the door and it was locked, he turned, and it was about half the distance to the door. He looks around the room, and the girl's super pale. He pulls me to the side and whispers in my ear, You know, there's only seven of us in here, right? I get the feeling <clears throat> the feeling where your stomach drops to your nuts. It had been back inside the trailer while we were sorting out who was going where. And then, <clears throat> when we all went outside to talk earlier in the day, it just slipped right back in. We looked out the window, and there's nobody out there. So we recount everyone, then... And then basically, I go over and ask everyone how many people uh, were here earlier. Everybody says eight. I say, well, how many are there now? They all do the count and then realize there are only now seven people in the cabin. Tanner brought back a couple boxes of ammo and his rifle. He had told his dad that there was some kind of animal in the forest because he didn't think his dad would believe if he said it was a goat man. He says his cousin is supposed to be coming down in a few hours and that in the morning we can all go back to his place and his cousin will drive us home. Now I'm really fucking terrified, but at least I feel better because we we can be American and shoot the fuck out of whatever it is that comes back. (laughs) 
but then my cousin gets into this huge argument with one of the girls because she thinks that I'm trying to be funny and prank them and that she's getting really scared and that I'm not funny. He keeps telling her, I'm not the kind of person that... She, and she says, well, how do we know the girl wasn't just Tanner in a wig? Or if it's really the goat man, how do we know that this is the real Tanner and not the goat man? Just didn't kill Tanner in the woods and take his gun. So we get in this huge argument about this where me and Tanner are like... Pfft. We could seriously be in danger because of the very, very least someone has been sneaking themselves into our fucking trailer without us knowing and mingling with us. And at worst, something bad in the forest is fucking with us. One of the girls is crying and saying she wants to go right now. We're trying to tell her she, we shouldn't because none of us are walking through the woods in the middle of the night. At this point, the sun's starting to go down. It's getting a little cloudy. We eat something, turn on the radio for a while, but we can't really get a station out there with anything decent so we turn it off and about that time tanner's cousin shows up he's like 19 i think at this point the sun's just barely over the horizon and he has one of those heavy duty lantern flashlights and another rifle he walks up to the trailer and he whispers to tan asking if he's sure his cousin he says yes this guy looks behind him and all around the camp and then walks in he kind of glances at all of us and looks a little confused he says where's your uh, other little buddy at i figured she'd meet up at the cabin is she a little slow or something he also asked where we had been cooking blood in the cabin because it smelled like blood and hot pans all the way up the trail we're like fucking nope <laughs> but we ask him what the fuck he's talking about with the girl he saw he'd come down the, the same trail tanner had been using uh and one of the you guys one of your guys's buddies was standing in the middle of the trail looking at him slack jawed he had asked for a bunch of questions but all she does look at him then she smiled at him, and he said he kept walking. She couldn't seem to keep up with him and kept lagging a little behind him. He said he asked her if she was hurt or something and if she needed any help, but she had continued to stare. Eventually, he had been walking and turned around to bend in the trail, but when he turned around and went back to see if she was okay, the trail was empty. He assumed she'd taken some shortcut through the woods to our trailer. We tell him the whole story of what's been going on. I half expect him to say we were full of shit, but he just listened and then sat down on the couches in the living room. Tanner's cousins get back to the girl. <clears throat> he says when she kept trying to lag behind him, it was kind of weirded him. It was kind of weirding him out. So he tried to keep her in front of him, but no matter how slow he walked, she was always lagging a little bit behind. And that he smelled the nasty smell. And it got stronger as he got to camp. Eventually got really strong. She had said something really low that he didn't catch. And then he had turned around. She'd been right the fuck up on him. And he stepped back from her. That's mm -hmm. you. The clicking noise. It sounded like it was coming from behind me. It was at this point he asked her if she was okay. And if she wasn't him to carry her back to the rest of the way. She just kept staring. He said he reached out for her as in to grab her on the shoulder, but it must have misjudged the distance because she was off to the side of where he had put his hand, like she had moved while he was looking dead at her. So at this point, we know this shit's real, unless Tanner is playing a joke, which we can tell he's not because he's almost pissing his pants. So they load up their rifles, we eat some more, and we just kind of sit around until about 11. To this fucking day, every time I think about this, I really pray to God that it's some huge prank and my cousins played on me and just never revealed so I wouldn't shit the rest of my life. Um, at around 11, the sink, stink of copper turns into an actual nasty, gross, blood-like smell. The cooking blood and singed hair. 
Tanner and his cousin race get the fuck up instantly and grab the rifles. There's like a half knocking, half clawing at the door. And I shit you not, there's a voice. It sounds like when you see those YouTube cats and dogs whose owners teach them to talk, quote unquote. It says in this fucking weirdly toned voice, let me the fuck in, stop fucking playing. It made my fucking nuts creep up against my body. And one of the girls just starts crying and calling on Jesus. It's so fucking obviously not a person talking. It didn't even have the right cadence, and that's some shit that I never realized until that moment. But all people have a certain cadence when they talk. No matter what language, all people have a certain kind of rhythm to talking. This shit didn't have any kind of cadence or rhythm. One of these YouTube cats. That's what the fuck it sounded like outside the door. So now I'm full on terror mode. We keep yelling outside, who is it? Stop fucking around, man. Just keep saying, in. Let me fuck in for almost 15 minutes. They included a YouTube link to a cat that's talking, but I'm not going to play that. It sounded like this, almost just not funny. Sorry for being on a tangent, but I just can't imagine how this shit sounded. Then you can't imagine how fucked up the whole situation was. So then this moan goes away for a while, and for the next hour or so, you can hear someone basically creeping around in the woods and shit. Every couple minutes, it'll come back to them to the door, say something. Finally, when the smell fades away, it's around 2 in the morning right now. Reese says, man, fuck this. It opens the door and walks outside with his rifle. He fires a shot in the air and says something to the effect of, in the name of Jesus Christ, go away. He fires two more times, and then from the woods right up against the river across from the trailer. It sounds like something is slowly gibbering and hooting. Then it starts screaming. It sounds almost like a woman and a cat in a bag screaming together. Like, I seriously have never heard any shit like that. And you can hear the brush over the way start to shake. Reese fires over into the tree line and starts backing into the house. We lock the door and we can hear the shit keening and screaming. Reese says something had come out of the bushes, super low to the ground and crawling toward the cabin. He had shot at it. Pretty much, that was how the rest of the night went. He was literally screaming constantly for the next two hours and we could hear shit moving out into the tree line. But it never came back up to the cabin until everyone had finally fallen asleep. Tanner had been sitting in the chair watching the door with his rifle. Nobody else heard or saw this, and he told two days later after the whole thing was over. He said he had been nodding off after screaming noises finally stopped. He had been almost asleep when he saw someone come out of the bathroom and lay down in the middle of the floor and go to sleep. He just assumed it was one of us, and he had nodded off. Then he said the kind of realized something was wrong. While pretending to be sleeping, he counted us. There were nine people in the cabin. He didn't want to try to shoot at the fucking thing in the cabin and have it kill us all then and there, or have Reese wake up and start shooting and then kill we kill ourselves. So he just stayed awake all night, pretending to be asleep. He said sometimes it would stand up and kind of do this weird jittery thing or heave like it was laughing, but then it would lay back down. The story closes pretty weak because from my perspective, nothing happened. We woke up, I noticed Tanner was a little jittery, and then he was avoiding a looking at us all of us we ate some breakfast packed up started walking to his house he stayed last in the cabin and said he'd lock up and bring my uncle's keys to just start walking and and he'd catch up which i didn't really want to fucking do he got a little bit up the path and when he came running up basically he just jogged back to his house his cousin took us home there's a window in the bathroom tanner had gone back to lock up and looked in there we were too stupid to lock a screenless window the window was open and he went in there I'm guessing he had been doing that all along, waiting for us to fall asleep or slip up and then getting in among us. It walked with us all the goddamn way back to his house, 
and then he said it lagged to the back of the group and looked him dead in the eyes before walking into the woods. Creepy. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that one either. Those I just read you the two creepy pastas that have freaked me out the most. That's creepy. I don't like that. Yeah? You don't like Goatman? No, not a fan. Ooh. Sorry, I like, did you give you the heebie-jeebies this episode? Yeah, yeah, Yay. definitely. I have the heebie-jeebies. Yay! <laughs> so which one was scarier? Um, Both, kind of, because again, it's something fucking watching you when you're sleeping. Yeah, that's true. I, um, I, I realize there's a theme there. And then just like being creepy and shit. Because I'm the goat, man. Because it gibbered. Get it? Uh-huh. Well, is there anything you want to add to this episode? Uh, not really. Um, I'm just sufficiently creeped out, so... Um, but we definitely should have turned on our dog skeleton lights. Ah, uh, shoot. Yeah, we didn't have the proper ambiance, but that's okay. I got spooked several times because... Until you're, like, in the dark telling spooky stories, you don't realize how many noises your apartment makes and how, like, well you can hear the neighbors and stuff. So it's just like, mm-hmm. we're telling the story. I'm probably going to cut it all out of the episode, but I keep telling those stories, and then I kept stopping and, like, looking over my shoulder because I'm just expecting someone to be there the whole time. Um, but, yeah, that was good. I, I Last time I just made you really sad. This time I made you really scared, so... I wouldn't say I'm really scared. I'm just... Yeah, it's that creepy, nasty, like, in the back of your mind feeling that I... That's the kind of creeped out I hate but love. It's the kind of creeped out where you're just like, "Mm, the back of my brain itches. Yep. You just feel like there's someone standing behind you at all times. Like, that guy right there. That's Tom Selleck. Yeah. yeah, That's your poster, Tom Mm -hmm. Selleck. Tom Selleck wouldn't hurt you. No. No, he wouldn't. Well, um... That was it for the creepy episodes this year. Yeah. Um, we wanted to say happy Halloween, happy Samhain to everyone uh, who's celebrating, and we hope you have an excellent one. We have been watching scary movies all month, classic slashers and stuff like that, and then we're going to go see Halloween Kills and Antlers. Yeah, uh, which reminds me we'll have to buy tickets for Antlers, but... So we don't have what happened on Tuesday happen again. <laughs> yep. We'll buy them after recording this. Yeah. Um, well, if we can. If we can, if they're for sale at the moment. But, yeah, we, we're done. So happy Halloween to everyone. And we're moving into November, which means we're going to be starting our World War One series. And the World War One series, um, we have been spending a lot of time in coffee shops reading researching i think we have eight books and two documentaries at this point that we've already watched and and we're starting to read the eight different books um and we are we have just scratched the surface so complicated so many moving parts (laughs) we haven't even finished writing the first episode and we've we've already dug into actually i think it's nine books because i took that picture and it has all of them there was eight books in that picture and then i have 1914 um whatever it's called that i borrowed on libby so technically i think we we we've 
dove into nine different books um plus so many other like articles and online sources and like wikipedia and stuff for a few background things that aren't quite as in depth like we're not going to cover in depth like i talk about napoleonic wars i can go on wikipedia for that because just need an overview exactly it's just kind of a yada 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 but um long story short we're getting started on that we are probably going to be talking about world war one for, for a long time <laughs> a while we were thinking like three episodes nah <laughs> it's we're in too deep this might be like a five episode series we'll yeah. just see we'll see how the cookie crumbles we're going to sit down and record as much as we can in one chunk and then divide it up um as need be um but we're getting that going um if anyone has any anyone listening right now has any sources that you're like hey this is a great reliable source go ahead and send it to us you can either message us on instagram or you can email us at strangely dangerous 69 at gmail.com also if you happen to have any primary source databases that aren't controlled by the rigid world of academia yeah uh and paywalls yeah so any free databases <laughs> that, that are could, reputable that are reputable that i could access through my local library yeah that would be really great if anyone had any suggestions for that and then um or any suggestions for books that we might not have already i'm going to post a picture probably it'll be the promotional picture for this episode on instagram because it has the pumpkins and the skeleton and stuff in it mm. it's a fun picture you'll see it um and but that has the picture of all of our world war one books that we're reading all but one that we're reading currently um and uh so if you have a book outside of that that you're like this is the one you know you gotta read this because it has something that none of these books to touch on that'd be great um and then of course uh you know follow us on instagram that's primarily where we post stuff we got rid of the website because it wasn't really no one was really going to it and uh, there was really no point in having it because i didn't update it often enough i just don't have time to um, so we have Instagram, we have Twitter, but I don't even think we have Twitter followers, so who cares? Mostly because we never post because we don't want to go on Twitter. Exactly, Twitter's a cesspool. Um, but it's there. Yeah, well, like, it's one of those things of where, like, when you listen to other podcasts, like, a lot of their following comes from Twitter, but I don't really want to tap into yeah. that, also, that resource. Also, <laughs> in housekeeping, make a note. Get a sticky note or something uh we need to get like some sort of blog where we can post our bibliography and then anything interesting that isn't quite podcast full podcast episode worthy we can do a blog post on okay um so we'll we'll post our bibliography once we like probably once we finish the series because we're going to probably be adding new sources until we're done um and that gives you yeah. time to type it up and everything. Well, yeah, it gives me time because I'm also probably going to do an annotated bibliography. I hate it. I hate them so much, but it is kind of important for this so that mm -hmm. you can know what my our sources are. So we're going to do our damnedest to put out a good series of World War One podcasts because we think this is an event in world history that deserves a the best we can do at the moment, obviously. You know, we're working full-time 
and we're both looking into like going back to school and we have like personal lives we're both trying to get back in shape after quarantine the only upside to going back to school is having access to fucking databases again (laughs) that's true but uh point being is like we're we're busy we're strapped for time so we are spending a lot of our free time that we could be playing civilization or (laughs) stardew valley our other addictions um lenora loves watching scooby-doo and crocheting Mm-hmm. she's sacrificing a lot of her time crocheting and watching scooby-doo to go sit at a coffee shop and make herself read a dry ass world war one book well like the one i'm reading right now isn't too bad but history books that can be rough some of them are rough some of them are better than others yeah but... it's really rough it's not as bad as some of like the books that you'll find in a university library mostly because those are like essentially like academic papers but longer um excellent sources but a little rough to get to through yeah. sometimes but they're not authors you know they're not stephen king they're yeah just... well like they're a different kind of author historical writing there's like two different types there's kind of yeah, like that, the dry point a to point b type writing and then you have like the flourishy type stuff that i think is like in the book you're reading yeah where it gets a little bit more creative but it's I don't know. Mine, mine's not too bad just because it gets to the point. <laughs> yeah. So. But, yeah, we've been reading so much World War One stuff. I've been having dreams about World War One, but not, like, battles. I've been having dreams that, like, I'm a diplomat in Europe in the early 1900s trying to figure this whole mess out and trying to avoid war. Like, I've legit had dreams about that where I wake oh, up in the that, middle of the night just, like, stressed. Yeah, that's basically, like, the part of the the war that like we've been researching primarily right now is just like the the start of it and it's a for whole the thing yeah for the moment <laughs> um but yeah uh, so point being we're doing a lot of research on that we're trying to do do our due diligence and we're enjoying it for the most part but it is a lot um but yeah just you know look out for that and uh we're our goal is to release the first episode on veterans day um and then uh yeah follow us on instagram that's our primary form of social media if you have any suggestions for topics after world war one um you can go ahead and dm us on instagram or like i said email us strangely dangerous 69 at gmail um and that's that's all we got for this week i think yeah um uh, now i'm gonna go have to comfort lenora we're gonna have to go watch some palette cleanser show so she doesn't go back to my game Oh yeah, you're probably gonna play your game. That's fine. I'll play. <laughs> I'll probably edit this podcast, honestly, even though I want to play Civ Six. Anyway, <laughs> bye guys. Bye. This has been a Strangely Dangerous production. Stay strange, stay dangerous.